Well, we are going through our series, Baptist Beliefs, and uh, we've taken the word Baptist and used it as an acrostic, and we first looked at the letter B, which stands for Bible-only authority, and uh, that really is the most important. The rest of these all come from the Bible anyway, and so that one we spent some time on, and remember we kind of took a little deviation from that and said, okay, since the Bible is our authority, which Bible should we use? since there are so many when you go to the Christian bookstore. And we uh, spent some time talking about the King James Version and why we hold to that as a church. Um, but then we went to the letter A, and that stands for the autonomy of the local church and how each church uh, should be self-governed. And, uh, of course, then it, we talked about our responsibilities as a part of a church. And then letter P, we said that that stood for the priesthood of the believer and that I don't have to go through any individual other than Jesus Christ himself, who is the only mediator between God and man. And uh, we talked about we're our own priests. We have direct access to God. We don't have to go through anyone else. But with that access, are we taking advantage of that access? Are we utilizing that? And that's what we talked about in that message. And then uh, we come to the letter T, um, the first letter T here, and uh, that stands for two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And Last time, a couple weeks ago, we looked at baptism, and then tonight we're going to talk about uh, the Lord's Supper or communion or the Lord's table. Uh, all of those are, um, are good descriptions of what we're going to be talking about. Now, I've shared this story before, but several years ago, two people got together for what they called a gratitude lunch. You see, three times a month or two or three times a month, Jermaine Washington and Michelle Stevens had lunch together. And with good reason. You see, Jermaine donated a kidney to Michelle, uh, whom he described as just a friend. Now, people begin to wonder if it was more than just a friendship, but, um, but they were just friends. You see, they met at work where they used to have lunch together at the cafeteria. Well, one day, Michelle wept as she spoke about waiting on a kidney donor uh, list for 11 months. She was being sustained by kidney dialysis, but suffered chronic fatigue and blackouts and was plagued by joint pain. Now, Stevens, uh, Michelle's two brothers, ages 25 and 31 at the time, would most likely have made an ideal, would made ideal donors because of their young age and statuses as family members, but both of them said no. And Michelle's own boyfriend, who gave her two diamond rings, with his apology, also said no, he would not be interested in helping her with donating a kidney. But Washington, Jermaine Washington, couldn't stand the thought of watching his friend just die, so he decided to give her one of his kidneys. You see, when you've got something great to be thankful for, having a gratitude lunch is a great way to celebrate. And that's very much what we're going to be doing tonight. It's a gratitude dinner or supper uh, where we're basically saying, Lord, thank you for what you did for you and or for, for, for me on the cross of Calvary. Now, the Last Supper, uh, when Jesus met with his disciples prior to the crucifixion, was an important event in the last days of Jesus Christ here on earth. It was when he served his disciples by washing their dirty feet. Uh, he uh, took the part of a servant and uh, showed us the example of serving. But then it was also when he told them that one of them would soon betray him. 
There in the upper room, there at the Last Supper, it was also when he served the bread and the cup that would symbolize the single greatest and most influential act of love that would ever take place in the history of the world when Jesus died on the cross for us. So tonight we're going to focus our attention to the why, what, where, who, when, and hows of the Lord's Supper in our church. And so if you'd like to take notes, there is a handout. Hopefully you got one. Does anybody need an extra handout? I think we got them all passed out tonight. Uh, so let's look at number one here tonight, the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Why did God give us the Lord's Supper as a ordinance for the church to observe on a regular basis? Uh, why would God do that? Well, first of all, it acts as a memorial. This, what we're going to be doing tonight, it, it acts as a, uh, as a memory, as something that we can look at and, and cause us to remember what took place. In uh, our text tonight, 1 Corinthians 11, in verse number uh, 24, it says, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then Jesus says this, this do in remembrance of me. The next verse, verse 25, the words in red, if you have a red letter Bible, says this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as you drink it. And then again, in remembrance of me. So it acts as a memorial for the Lord. Now, what does it really act as a memorial for? Uh, specifically, uh, first of all, it acts as a memorial of the cross, which goes back in time. So it helps us to remember what took place in the past on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. Verse 26 says, For as ye oft, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. So it's a reminder of what Jesus did for us. It's a reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. There's a song that uh, I really love, one of my favorite hymns. It's called... Uh, Lead me to Calvary, and it says, King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Um, that's a great song to just say, look, Lord, I want to be brought back in my mind to that scene where you were hanging there naked between heaven and earth on that cross of Calvary, completely innocent. And yet you endured one of the most excruciating deaths known to man at that time, and you did it all for me because of my sin. My sin is the sin that puts you there. And so it's important for us when we come to the Lord's table to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. On November 16th, and I've shared this story as well, but this is just kind of a remarkable, mind-blowing story. On November 16th, 2017, so just a little over two years ago, two decades after forgetting where he parked, a resident of Frankfurt, Germany, finally found his car right where he left it. The man, now six, uh, 76 years old, reported the car missing in 1997 to police when he couldn't find the car after leaving it in a parking lot outside of an industrial building. Well, after hearing nothing, the man assumed the car was lost permanently. But a construction crew in 2017 uh, was preparing to demolish the building and, and the, this parking lot, 
and reported this uh, vehicle to police. After checking through old records, the police located the two-decade-old report. When the man and his daughter went to recover the car, it wouldn't start. Bummer. You see, God calls us to remember His goodness and acts of deliverance, especially as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And so this acts as a memorial for us to remember what Jesus did for, for us. It's good for us to rehearse what God did for us on the, on the cross of Calvary on a regular basis. And certainly the Lord's Supper is a beautiful time to do that. And so it's meant to, to serve as a memorial for what Jesus did for us uh, on the cross in the past. But it's also acts as a memorial of our fellowship, which is more of our present situation, our present time. Uh, in verse number 27 here, it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. This is a present situation. This is where we're all taking a moment to examine our lives. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Um, it is interesting to note the warning here in verse number 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you. I'm sure that there was um, people in that church that were wondering why so many in their church family were, were sick and kind of weak. And some had died kind of these strange deaths that had really no explanation. And they were, they were really wondering what was going on. Paul gives them the answer, and he says, here's the reason. It wasn't coronavirus, no. It was they went into the Lord's Supper with a very flippant attitude. He says, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And sleeping wasn't that they were snoozing during the service. No, this was uh, people who, the, the word sleep here is, uh, it's the, it, it means death, but it means death for a Christian. It's not, it's not death of an unsaved person, it's death of a, of a believer. Um, that's why when, uh, when Paul talked to the Thessalonians, he said, um, look, we shall not all, well, in the Corinthians, he said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall uh, all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Um, and then also he talks about that in, in Thessalonians when referring to the rapture as well for those who are asleep in the Lord. Okay, so, uh, but John, John Phillips has a very interesting and I like what he says here. He says, regarding this sickness and, and uh, weakness that comes into the lives of believers, he says, weakness and sickness may not always be the result of a careless attitude towards his table. But evidently, at times, they are. So, look, your sickness isn't a guarantee that that's because you were flippant about the Lord's Supper. But it may be. And uh, that's, that's a good thing for us to understand and, and to not just come into this moment flippantly, but to come into it with the right heart. So uh, this acts as a, uh, a memorial of the cross, what took place in the past, but our, our fellowship, and that's our present situation. And then it acts as a memorial of His coming. The fact that Jesus Christ didn't just come to this earth and then vanish away and then we'll never see him again. No, he promised to come back for us. And we see this here in verse 26 of this passage. For 
as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. You see, Jesus promised that he was going to come back for us. Uh, John chapter 14 is the great uh, promise there. And um, he says in uh, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. He promised that he is going to come back for us. Now, it could happen before this message is over. It could happen, as I mentioned this morning, hopefully before Thursday, before I have to go play in that father-son basketball game. Um, but wherever, whenever he's going to come at some point, I don't know when he's going to come, uh, but he's going to come. One day the Lord is going to tell his son, go get here, children. I'm looking forward to that day. I hope it is soon. Um, so he uh, tells us, look, this Lord's Supper is to remind us of what happened in the past, to help us with our present situation, our present fellowship. But then also it, it points to the future, the fact that one day he's coming back for us. So it acts as a memorial, but it also acts as a spiritual checkup. Verse 28, he says, but let a man examine himself. And I kind of already referred to this. But let a man examine himself. This is a good opportunity for us to take spiritual inventory, to have a spiritual checkup. We talked a little bit this morning in our Sunday school class about going to the dentist, and I was like, I haven't met a single person that really enjoys going to the dentist. And then I saw this hand go up in the back of the room, and I recognized that hand. It was my wife's hand. I'm like, what kind of person did I marry? Someone who likes going to the dentist. And someone said, well, maybe it's because then she gets a reprieve from the crazy family that we have. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that makes a little sense. But, uh, but, but going to the dentist is uh, an opportunity for them to do a real good inventory and, and, and checkup of the condition of our teeth. And uh, you might think everything's going well, but those x-rays may say otherwise. Uh, I went recently and I thought all was well in the, uh, the mouth of, of uh, your pastor, but not all was well in the mouth of your pastor. I had a cavity, and uh, the whole family went, and I was the only one in the family that had a cavity, and everybody made fun of me for it, and still does. And uh, I had to have a filling put in. Um, well, see, this is an opportunity for us on a regular basis as believers to uh, have a spiritual checkup and say, Lord, I want you to do some spiritual x-rays on me and not just what I feel like I'm doing and how I feel like I'm doing, but an actual full, uh, full body scan. How many have ever had a full body scan? There's a few of you who've had to do that. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing to do to just kind of get a good sense of how things are going. Um, spiritually, we need that as well. I have a... Uh, on my, in my truck, I have a notification on my where it normally says how fast I'm going. It, it pops up now and says, you need an oil change, buddy. Uh, and, uh, and you can push OK to dismiss it. But uh, that's going to keep coming up until I take care of that. Uh, this, this is an opportunity for the Lord to say, hey, you need to make some changes in your spiritual life. And this is an opportunity for the Lord to kind of confront you with 
some changes in your spiritual life that need to be done. Uh, David, the psalmist in Psalm 26, verse 2 said, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. And so I would encourage you to pray something similar to that. Where, Lord, I want you to prove me. I want you to try me. I want you to uh, examine my heart and make sure that I'm right with you and I'm right with others. That I don't have any sin that I'm harboring that's been unconfessed, but that I'm, I'm right with you. And so that is a blessing that the Lord's Supper does allow for is a spiritual checkup. So that's the purpose of the Lord's Supper, but I want us to see number two here, the prerequisites of the Lord's Supper. What, what are the prerequisites to participate in the Lord's Supper? Well, first of all, and most importantly, we must be saved. You must be part of the family, the family of God. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not, that you're, uh, know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. So my question for you this evening is this, are you in the faith? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Are you trusting in Him and in Him alone? I'm not asking you if you've made a profession of faith. I'm asking if you are in the faith. And there's a lot of people who've made professions of faith who aren't really in the faith. And I'm not asking if you have turned over a new leaf. I'm asking if you have new life in Christ. Is Jesus in you and are you in Jesus? Has there been a moment in your life when you have trusted Christ as your Savior? If you've been in, if you were in my Sunday school class and morning service and then tonight, I've talked about salvation in all three of those services this morning or today. Look, maybe God's trying to get your attention if you're not a believer to come to Christ and be saved. It's Look, eternity is too long, hell is too hot, and heaven is too wonderful to miss. Don't put it off. Don't delay. Don't just say, well, my mom says I'm saved because she said I prayed when I was a young one, but I don't remember that. Don't, don't just take someone else's word for it. Make sure that you are indeed in the faith. So we must be saved. And if you're not saved here tonight, as we pass the elements here in a few minutes... It, these aren't for you. Um, these are for believers. These are for the body of Christ. So we must be saved. But then next, we must be in good fellowship with God and others. Uh, as it says here in verse 27, whosoever uh, shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily. Now, now no one is in and of themselves worthy to take all of this. Um, but the Lord makes us worthy. But, but the idea here is that they, they come into this flippantly and they're not right with God, they're not right with others, and as a result, they're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And so here Paul encourages them to examine themselves. So we must be in good fellowship with God and others. I would say this, look, if you're here tonight and there's uh, sin that you are harboring and there's unconfessed sin in your life and there's maybe something you have uh, between you and another brother that's not resolved, um, I wouldn't, if I were you, I would just let this these elements pass for you to not participate. They say, what are others going to think? Well, number one, let's not be looking and seeing who's taking and who's not. 
Okay, this is a this is kind of a personal situation we're about to partake in. It's not like uh, oh they didn't take. I wonder what's going on in their life. It's none of your business. However, um, we shouldn't be worried about what other people are thinking. Even if someone does see, it doesn't matter. It's between you and God. Better to make sure that you're right with God and you don't just take this and because you don't want to like make yourself not look spiritual by not partaking of the Lord's Supper tonight. Make sure that, look, we need to be in good fellowship with God and others. So my question for you is this. Are you right with God right now? Is there some sin in your life that you need to deal with before we partake? We'll have an opportunity before we uh, pass the elements around for you to have some time of prayer, for you to confess some things that need to be dealt with. Look, 1 John 1 says this, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. This is the one who takes and says, I'm fine, everything is going well. But you know there's darkness in your life. The Bible says you're a liar and you do not the truth. The next verse says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But I'm thankful for this next verse, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we pretend like we're perfect and there's nothing in us that needs to be dealt with, chances are we're deceiving ourselves. and The truth is not in us. And so we'll have an opportunity for getting it right with God. 1 Corinthians 10.21 warns, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. If you're going to partake of the Lord's Supper and then go home and fill your mind with filth and disgusting things, you can't do that. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Choose you this day whom you will serve. All right? So, that's the prerequisites for the Lord's Supper. And then number three here, I want to share the parts of the Lord's Supper. What are the different parts to the Lord's Supper? Uh, There's two. There's the bread and the cup. First of all, the bread symbolizes Christ's body. And it symbolizes not only His body, but the broken body of Christ on the cross. See, when Jesus took that bread there in the upper room, He took that bread and He began to break it apart, symbolizing the fact that His body would indeed be broken for you and for me. Now, while Jesus had no bones broken when He died upon the cross, which, by the way, was a prophecy fulfilled, His flesh was absolutely and completely torn apart with the cat of nine tails. It was torn apart with the crown of thorns, the nails in His hands and His feet, and then finally, the spear that was thrust into His side. Yes, His body was indeed broken for you and for me. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says it this way, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. 
He was broken for you and for me. Now, what do we use as the bread? We use, we use unleavened bread. And that pictures the fact that there was no leaven, no sin. sin. Leaven is a picture of sin in the Bible. And so we use unleavened bread because Jesus had no sin in Him at all. 1 Peter 2.22 2, 2, said, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 1 John 3.5, And ye know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Jesus had no sin in Him. And so that's why we're going to be serving tonight unleavened bread. You say, this doesn't taste as good as, you know, Olive Garden breadsticks. Yeah, I know, that has leaven in it. (laughs) But this doesn't have leaven in it because Jesus had no sin in Him. All right, so that's the bread. But then we also are going to take the cup. And the cup symbolizes Christ's blood. And by the way, it, it symbolizes His pure blood that He shed on the cross of Calvary. Now, nowhere in Scripture do we find the word wine when used to describe the contents of the cup there at the Last Supper. And there is debate in churches on what was in that cup when he passed it around. Um, I'm of the belief that it was the pure fruit of the vine. It was unfermented, non-alcoholic, pure grape juice because it best symbolizes the fact that uh, fermentation means that there was uh, that it was rotting. And look, when you talk about the blood of Christ, I can't talk about that with rotting. I can't talk about that with um, decay because it was the pure, sinless blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for you and for me. Matthew 26, verse 27 says, And he took the cup and gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So here it's kind of referred to as the fruit of the vine in First Peter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but you were Redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Acts 20.28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. See, this blood was pure and sinless as we mentioned already. And so the pure grape juice is the best picture of that, and that's why we use that tonight. That's why hopefully no one will get... I checked the, uh, the expiration date on this uh, grape juice, and we're all good, okay? It's important to note with both of these uh, parts of the Lord's Supper that neither of these items, the bread nor the cup, have any saving merit. 
In other words, eating the bread and drinking the juice does not give anyone salvation. It does not mean that we are actually eating the actual body of Christ or the actual blood or drinking the actual blood of Christ. It doesn't turn into that as we take it. Uh, Neither of these things can save anybody. It doesn't even help you become saved uh, because salvation is by faith through grace through faith and that alone. It's not of works lest any man should boast, including taking communion, including taking the Lord's Supper. So those are the parts of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Number four, let's talk about the people of the Lord's Supper. There are three different ways in which churches um, do communion, do the Lord's Supper. And I want to share them with you just so you're aware of what the options are, I I suppose you could say. First of all, some churches do it uh, do an open communion, and that means anyone can participate. There's no restrictions whatsoever. And this is uh, typically done with uh, at a Catholic church where they'll have communion at every service, and they'll, um, they'll invite everybody to come and partake. Uh, there's no restriction. Well, then there's, uh, which we do not believe in, by the way, <laughs> Uh, because we've already mentioned that there are some prerequisites for taking communion, and that is uh, you need to be in the faith, you need to be a believer in Christ, and you need to make sure that you're right with God and right with others. Okay, then there's also the closed uh, method, and this is for only members within the local church. Um, And then there's, thirdly, the close way of doing it, and this is members and others who are in service of churches of like faith and practice. And this is what we do here at Cornerstone. If there's a church that does closed, I completely respect and and see their uh, case as well. Um, It's not a matter of um, they're right, we're wrong, and we're going to fight for this one. This is is more of a matter of, of a Romans 14 preference. Um, and, uh, you know, hey, if your church believes that it needs to be closed, I respect and, and appreciate that. If your church believes that it's close, I can uh, respect and appreciate that. But we here at Cornerstone have uh, chosen to stand with the close way of doing the Lord's Supper, where if someone was in here tonight from another church family and uh, of like faith and practice, and when we pass the elements, they're invited and welcome to participate as well. So that's uh, number four. And then number five, last thought here, the problem of the Lord's Supper. Now, there are some churches that teach, and I mentioned all this already, that teach that the Lord's Supper is a necessary part of receiving grace. They teach that the bread actually becomes the body and the cup actually becomes the little blood of Christ. Now, my comment on that is this is absurd and false. There is no saving merit in observing the Lord's Supper. The elements merely symbolize the body that was broken and the blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. And that's all that it is. And we need to take it for what God meant it to be, not to add to it like some religions have done. So that's the problem of the Lord's Supper. Let me wrap this up and then we'll go ahead and, and take it together this evening. The Lord's Supper is the cause of more debate in the religious world today than than, uh, we really like to admit. 
It's a sad fact that folks believe that eating a cracker and drinking grape juice can somehow get them into heaven. And even though we don't believe that, we still need to be careful when we do receive the elements. We need to be sure we are saved and in good fellowship with God and others. I want to end by uh, reading, in fact, if, if you take your Bible and turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 and verse 23. The psalmist prays this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. 